This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The following is a sponsored program. Zoomer Radio and MZ Media Incorporated do not endorse any of the statements or opinions made by the contributors. activity level, if you're overwhelmingly sedentary, as many people have become during COVID, your digestive system doesn't like that. It likes us to keep moving, keep the blood circulating, keep us with liquids in and going out. It likes that movement. And the less you move, the less happy your digestive system is. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Bussin, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll learn about the natural approach to digestion. We'll discuss the efficacy of online pharmacies. We'll find out how to cope with loneliness. And lastly, we'll hear all about the health benefits of indoor rowing. But first, a little bit of business. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy. Enjoy the detox. Enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. Joel Thuna is a master herbalist and general manager of Purely Natural. He strives to improve the quality of natural products on the market and passes along his knowledge of herbal remedies through lectures and articles. Joel's a regular contributor to Tonic Magazine and one of our favorite guests on the show. Welcome back, sir. How are you? I am doing wonderful and thank you as always for having me. I'm having some fun. So today we're going to talk about something that is not COVID related. I'm motioning here. I've had it up to my nose, maybe my eyebrows with COVID talk. So let's talk health and wellness that isn't COVID. Let's talk about digestion. Definitely. A lot of people think that digestion is their tummy, but that's not true, right? It's a lot more complicated than that. It is. Most people think it's their stomach. When you say digestion, they think stomach. The problem is that if you just think that, you're missing the good part of it. Your digestive system is actually a complex and interconnected and interdependent system of many parts. It stretches all the way from your mouth down to your anus. It's essentially a very long tube with many twists and turns and dipsy doodles along the way. Right. What it comprises is your mouth, your throat, also known as the esophagus, your stomach, your intestines, your liver, your pancreas, your gallbladder, your colon, and your rectum. Now, each component has a dedicated or a couple dedicated functions that work to make the entire system work properly. Most of us are fortunate enough to have no digestive illnesses or structural issues. Despite this, believe it or not, at any given time, over 40% of us complain of having at least one ongoing digestive complaint. Yeah, of varying degrees, right? I mean, you know, it could be as little as I've got too much gas or it could be as awful as, you know, Crohn's-like pains in the intestines because you're eating something, you know, that your body just can't process properly. Definitely. It runs a gamut. So let's get to some of those complications. What do you think the source of those complications are? Well, like any machine, anyone who owns a car, anyone who owns something complicated, 
when you don't treat it right or with respect, you find out in a hurry that it's going to force you to do something to fix that. And your digestive system is no different. If you don't respect it and you overload it more than you should, because everyone overloads it occasionally, it's more than happy to let you know that you've been out of line and you need to do a rethink. The big concern is, as you said, digestive complaints go on the gamut from just mildly annoying for this minute all the way to debilitating. The problem is if you don't address concerns, they can easily and quickly transition from mildly annoying to outright debilitating. The vast majority of digestive complaints relate to our lifestyle choices. What do you mean by that? They're caused because of the foods you eat, the level of activity that you undergo, and your level of stress. What I mean by that, for example, is all of us make some silly food choices. All of us do. If you make more silly than good, your digestive system's going to tell you. Right. When it comes to activity level, if you're overwhelmingly sedentary, as many people have become during COVID, stuck at home, your digestive system doesn't like that. It likes us to keep moving, keep the blood circulating, keep us with liquids in and going out. It likes that movement. And the less you move, the less happy your digestive system is. Right. So to summarize, it's food intake, which includes proper amounts of liquid. Definitely. It is activity levels, right? And, you know, it's not like I work out five times a week, but it isn't just getting that kind of exercise. It's actually not remaining in front of your computer or in front of the TV for hours on end because I can work out really hard for an hour and a half and it's not necessarily going to offset, you know, seven hours of sitting on my duff for the rest of the day. Then there's stress relief, which ties in with sleep. And so we find that it's all sort of interconnected, which is really the theme of tonic, as you know, right? Definitely. And the big thing people have to remember is that you can take the things we're going to talk about today and you can try all these little changes. And for most people, it'll help and you'll see results relatively quickly. But with digestion, you have to be careful that if you try to do something about it and you get nowhere, you really do need to talk to a proper healthcare professional because the digestive concern could actually be just a sign of something more serious. Right. That was actually going to be my next point. You know, sometimes this indicia means that there's something bigger going on in your body. Correct. Uh, Because uh, your digestion is involved in so many other things and your body is so dependent on digestion, if there is a problem somewhere else, it will affect digestion in some way. And I would add one other caveat, and that's this. The digestion you have, whether you're healthy or unhealthy, is going to change as you get older. You know, the things that you can eat when you're in your 20s are not what you can eat in your 40s, 50s, 60s, etc. You know, the level of activity, the level of spice, your ability to process dairy, for example, or gluten, that may change over time. And that's real. Definitely. But at the same time, I completely agree with you. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that if there's a change you're not happy with, that you have to accept it. Of course not. You still have to say, okay, I don't like this. I want to see what I can do to fix it. Okay. So let's talk about fixing it. If somebody had a digestive problem, where would you start? What would you recommend that they start with? No matter what your digestive concern is, even if it's mild all the way up to extreme, excluding a disease or structural problem, your first go-to solution is to improve your diet. Mm -hmm. If diet is one of the things that will help, which we said earlier, you want to help it. So the first thing you want to do is try and make 
better choices, more often than less. You want to choose fresh fruit where possible, fresh vegetables, less processed food, less packaged foods, higher fiber foods. All of those will help. When choosing drinks, clean, fresh water is always, and I say always better. I don't care what the other drink is, clean, fresh water is always better. Increasing your physical activity level will improve overall health as well as your digestive health. And I don't mean that someone should go from being sedentary to exercising like you do. Well, the biggest jump for your health, the difference between doing nothing and doing something is more effective than doing something and then doing a lot. So, you know, the nice thing is if you're doing nothing, you can really help yourself by doing something. Okay. And and we don't really need to, you know, there are other shows where we've discussed, you know, what those somethings are. Getting back to the food for a second, I would say, you know, eating whole foods is important. Definitely. Whole grains, you know, making sure that, you know, as best you can, your pH levels of what you're eating, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you're eating a lot of salt and a lot of processed foods and you're not drinking water, well, you're, you're just asking for a problem. And, you know, I'm a big advocate of having fiber every single day. I know you are too. Oh, can't get enough of it personally. Okay. So other than exercise, where would you look next? The next thing I would do is start to do a little bit of supplementation and start easy. Go with an organic vegan probiotic. And the reason I specify organic and vegan is that way it's as clean as can be and at the same time it's not likely to cause any allergies or issues like that for example by not going vegan you can have dairy issues or you can have issues with animal byproducts so you want to go vegan if possible the nice thing is there's no negative to probiotics there's absolutely no negative all they're going to do is be able to help you they'll help your digestive system and at the same time help your immune system and who of us couldn't have that to help? There's, there's no negative there at all. Yep. Now, everyone, no matter what your digestive state is, occasionally you're going to have an upset or irritated stomach. Most people, unfortunately, go to the pharmacy for that or head to their medicine cabinet, which, in my opinion, is overkill. It's like trying to swat a fly with a sledgehammer. And when you do that, you end up having other issues. If you've got an upset or irritated stomach, Try two of the age-old remedies out there, and they're age-old because they work. Mm -hmm. You can use ginger or peppermint. Ginger tea, with or without honey, or semi-flat ginger ale, which was my grandmother's favorite, Mm -hmm. work quickly to calm upset stomach, even caused by motion sickness. Another fun one is peppermint oil. You can use the oil itself in drops, or use dried oil in capsules, or just peppermint tea. They've been used for centuries to soothe the muscles of the digestive tract itself and con upset stomach. And I'm saying from my experience, 95% of the time, those two work by themselves. Nice, easy. If you're someone like me who actually enjoys the taste of the two combined, combine them. Yep. Make yourself a nice ginger peppermint tea. I personally prefer fresh ginger tea myself as opposed to the dried bag stuff, but that's me. Okay. Let's talk about some of the more specific problems that people have. And, you know, I find Naomi's been baking a lot of bread and I find that is a trigger for me. I end up bloating. Even if she's using whole grains, that triggers bloating in me. What is bloating and how do we deal with it? Well, bloating is actually a really interesting one. I enjoyed learning about this. Bloating technically is when your belly feels full and tight during or immediately following eating. It's often due to gas or digestive system muscle issues. Approximately one-third of all people are bloated regularly. Mm -hmm. Bloating involves excessive amounts of solids, liquids, or gases 
within the system itself, they can't get out. It causes discomfort in most people, but in a fair number, it also causes pain. And that's where it gets a little nasty. Mm-hmm. Often, though, bloating can be resolved really easily just by changing your eating habits. What you do is first figure out the culprits and stop them. Number one, stay away from anything that contains gas. That's your soda, your kombucha, champagne for some people, anything that contains gas. Another big one, and this one I learned doing the research for this, is drinking with straws. Apparently, it is almost impossible to drink through a straw without swallowing gas. You mean taking in air, you mean? Yep. Yep. No matter what you're drinking, you will get air in, and swallowing the air causes gas, causes bloating. Hmm. On top of that, you want to avoid artificial ingredients wherever possible especially artificial sweeteners and sugar alcohols. The reason is many artificial ingredients are inherently hard to digest, and in the process of trying to digest them, your digestive system causes gas to be created. Okay. Another fun way around it is just chew your food more. Okay. I, I remember enough. those lovely PSA announcements when we yeah. were kids about that. Do you remember chew, 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 chew? Chew your food more, and by doing that, you end up taking in less air. On top of that, reduce the amount you eat at each sitting. For some reason, some people find when they eat more volume, it just overwhelms their digestive system and it just basically gives up partway through and goes, ah. Okay. <laughs> so you feel bloated. Now, if all of those don't work as strategies and you're still finding the problem, then more than likely it's that you have an allergy or an intolerance. So what you want to do is you want to start doing an elimination diet where you start with the big potential culprits. For example, dairy, soy, gluten, eggs, and items containing fructose. Eliminate them from your diet until the bloating is gone. Once the bloating is gone, slowly introduce them, but keep a record of what happens. And once you're introducing, if all of a sudden you introduce item A and it starts bloating again, you know that's probably an intolerance of yours. So try keeping that out of your diet, and then you should be okay. Cool. Let's move on to constipation. Yep. Uh, Constipation is insane. Americans spend three-quarters of a billion dollars annually on laxatives. And I couldn't find the exact number for Canada, but it's estimated that per capita, we're actually a little bit higher. Hmm. It is insane the amount of people that accept being clogged as acceptable. I couldn't think of a better word. Yeah. And normal. And so they're just saying, okay, I'm that way. I'm just going to take a laxative and move on. It's normal is defined actually as having anywhere between three bowel movements per day to three per week. Okay. If you're in that range, you're normal. And that range will vary based on your diet. And also it'll vary based on your stress level. Mm-hmm. Both of those have effect on that. If you want some help loosening stool to avoid constipation, try increasing your water intake. It's interesting. Most people think, okay, if I'm not peeing, I need to take in more water. But they don't think that, okay, if I'm not pooping, I also need to take in more water. Your bowels need water to keep the feces itself from getting too hard to move. Yep. And if you add water to your system, it often will help. You can also try supercharging your water by mixing in at a fiber called fiberific. Mm -hmm. The reason 
specifically that fiber is. It's a tasteless, soluble fiber that helps tune your digestive system, but at the same time, it has a very unique property. It helps balance the water in your feces. So if you don't have enough, it'll actually help add water. Conversely, if you have too much, it'll help remove water, but we'll get to that a little later. If it turns out that those don't resolve, you can move to something a little more harsh, which is psyllium. Psyllium mm-hmm. is a herb that absorbs water and at the same time helps to irritate your digestive system. Mm-hmm. And when you irritate your digestive system... It wants to expel. It wants to get rid of the irritant and everything else going with it. A big thing to remember, though, with psyllium is read the package directions carefully. Do not overdo it. Because it absorbs water, if you overdo it and take too much and not enough water, you can actually cause there to be a blockage comprised of psyllium. Okay, we have time for one sort of brief little area, and I know you wanted to cover diarrhea. Yeah. Let's talk about how you would deal with it. First of all, if diarrhea lasts more than three days, is accompanied by a fever, or becomes quite painful, then it's time to seek professional help, because it's not just something mild. It's something relatively serious. Yep. If you're having a bout of diarrhea, take it easy and remember to drink. Rest is very important, because you don't want to stress your body out. Your body's trying to deal with something internally, And that's what it should focus on. Wash your hands really well after each bathroom trip to make sure that you don't spread if it's an infection. And try slowly and cautiously to add foods back into your diet. You want to keep eating if you can and definitely drinking as much as you can. But you only want to eat semi-solid and low roughage foods because you don't want to add irritation to what's already irritated. You want to avoid anything that can irritate. That is caffeine, spicy greasy or fatty foods. Avoid dairy products for at least three days after your symptoms disappear, because if you don't, it can just reflare up again. And the reason is that milk is hard for your body to digest. Under normal circumstances, all good. But in circumstances of diarrhea, don't do it. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show today. You'll be back again next month to chat about health and wellness issues. Yes? Definitely. Fantastic. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss the efficacy of online pharmacies on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. The future of pharmacy is here. The Health Depot Pharmacy is an online pharmacy and health store where health comes first. They make it easy for you to manage your whole family's medication with automatic refills, expert advice, personalized medications, and real-time access to your medication information wherever you go. They do direct-to-door delivery anywhere in Ontario the next day for free. The Health Depot is pharmacy made simple. Stay healthy, stay home. Visit thehealthdepot.ca to get started today. Enter promo code ZOOMER to get 20% off your first health store purchase of $50 or more. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Andy Donald has always been an advocate for pharmacy and patient care. During his time at the Leslie Dan Faculty of Pharmacy at the University of Toronto, he founded a committee named SOAP. 
students for optimizing and advocating pharmacy endeavors in an effort to unify the profession and advocate for increasing roles that pharmacists play in patient care. After working as a staff pharmacist at a national chain, he soon became an owner of a shopper's drug mart in London, Ontario, for five years where he continued his advocacy as a member of the Ontario Pharmacists Association. Upon leaving Shoppers Drug Mart in September of 2019 to open the Health Depot, Andy continued his efforts to move the profession forward using new and innovative technology with an emphasis on improving patient care. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Not too bad yourself? I'm doing well. Today we're going to talk about what it's like and what are the, some of the problems with people trying to access prescriptions at a pharmacy. So what are you seeing with your customers now? Well, it's been a challenging time for everybody in the current pandemic. The biggest issue in community pharmacy is long wait times and the inconvenience of having to leave the safety and security of your own home to travel sometimes long distance to pick up your prescriptions. And there's a lot of times there has been delays in getting the prescriptions as well as there have been back orders. But that's been some of the biggest problems that a lot of people have been having in the current crisis. But you've come up with a solution to the problem, yeah? Yes. So the Health Depot Pharmacy is a pharmacy where we always put health first, but we're allowing people to stay healthy and stay home during these tough times. We have an online pharmacy where we offer all the services that a regular pharmacy does and so much more. Everything's online on a portal, right, where you can access your current medications on a computer, a tablet, or even a mobile device, right? Mm -hmm. And we provide free prescription delivery for individuals anywhere in Ontario, whether or not you're at your home, your work, your cottage, and we also combine that because with an online uh, health store where you can purchase thousands of over-the-counter items, health essentials, and home health care products. So how does it work? What do you do first? So, I mean, it's very easy. So if you wanted to give us a try, you can contact our pharmacy and transferring takes two seconds. It's very quick and easy. A couple of clicks of the mouse. We contact your pharmacy for you, and then we'd reach out to your family doctor just to make sure that we have all the medications over with us. And that's all it takes. And going on from there, anytime if you order your prescriptions from us, we can, by 1 p.m., you can receive it the next day anywhere in Ontario for free. Wow. So the initial setup, is that a phone call or do I have to be online to do that or is it a combination of both? It can be either or. You can contact our store and we can talk you through it very easily. And there's also a contact form directly on our website, thehealthdepot.ca, that you can fill out and arrange a time that you would like us to call you as well. Okay. How are you managing to do like uh, 24-hour deliveries all over the province? Are you talking about in the north as well? Um, Yeah, up in the north as well. So we primarily do it through Canada Post and FedEx through shipping. So that's what allows us, it's the next business day that we can ship out. But they tend to have very great turnaround times. So that's how we're doing it. So we ship it, you know, if you order by 1 p.m., we get it out that afternoon and it should arrive on your doorstep, like right to your house or to your cottage the next day. So you mentioned that you're reaching out to the doctors. Are they involved in the process? Are they actually delivering the prescriptions to your online platform or how does it work? Yeah, absolutely, which is exciting. We're actually combining with many virtual online doctor platforms. So we're soon going to be offering a complete healthcare package for you. So you'll be able to talk to a doctor, and have your prescription arrive at the next day at your house for free, all from the comforts of your couch. And doctors can, they, we have a free toll-free fax number for the doctors as well. There's new cool online technologies where electronic medical record exchange, one is called Prescribe It, that we're linking together with doctors so they can automatically send prescriptions directly from their computers and their software 
into ours exactly the way the doctor filled it out, and we can communicate and message each other back and forth a lot easier to ensure that there are no mistakes and that you will get the medications that was intended for you. Right. So presume if the doctor is part of that network, then you can do it automatically from their laptop. And if they're not, as you said, they can fax it in. Can they call it in as well? Yeah, they can call in as well. And yeah, and like there's over a thousand doctors already on that platform. They can call in as well. There's also uh, with our app, you can take a photo of the prescription that you got either from a walk-in clinic or a hospital discharge, and it can send directly into our software that we can then all we simply have to do is verify with hospital records or the secretary that it's a valid prescription, and we can send that to you the next day as well. Fantastic. So what if I'm not technically proficient? Would I still be able to use this online service? Absolutely. So if you're having trouble navigating our site, you can simply give us a call, and a member of our team will be more than happy to help you walk through it, right? We have our product and services available and accessible to everyone and at any time, right? And you can also... So whether on your computer, mobile device, or tablet, you, like that's how you access your medications and your profiles. But you can also, we can also work together if you have a caregiver or a family member. It can be easily shared with family members, given the right permissions, that they can help to navigate and help manage your medications and your, your profile as well. It's very shareable that you can manage a whole group of your family together So one platform. So, for example, if my mom didn't feel comfortable, you know, using the technology and I wanted to help her. So what's the protocol for that? Do I need to be verified or how does it work? Yeah. So, I mean, we, there's a verbal permission we can do. We'd have to talk to your mom and, or if you are an actual health custodian of your mom, we do a verification system for that. But once that we have that, we would document it and then we could grant you access as well. That's with the, either your, the mobile device on their online platform as well. And there's also many other interesting new technologies for helping with reminders, medication reminders and compliance that we have as well, that you could also be available to help out in that capacity as well. So let's talk about those sort of extra features. Explain a little bit about them. So extra features that we have, we have, well, besides that you can talk to us on phone, online chat or video chat, we have one in particular, there's a a carry device. It's a personal health companion that can help to remind, we have these single dose packs that we're placing bubble packs. And the single dose packs where we organize all your medications into, they're kind of like lollipop packs. And we have them all in order in the time of day that you're taking your medications, what medications are in it, pictures on the side of the box, and we have those available. But there's also a personal health companion that can read the barcodes on the bottom of those and do an alarm clock reminder on when to take your medications and communicate even, you know, with blood pressure readings and blood glucose readings and send that back to help monitor. That's what's something that we're working on really shortly to have available as well. The future of personalized care in the home is very exciting and there's a lot of new technology we're helping to make that more possible to help you age in place at home. So let's talk about that sort of back and forth monitoring. Are you saying that the pharmacy will sort of track glucose levels and and blood pressure and things like that? Well, that's what's coming soon. Uh, The makers of those personal health companions are having it so that these devices are Bluetooth enabled to be able to sync with those devices. So very soon, that's the future. and We're very excited that soon we'll be able to help to monitor, yes, to see if there's a change in your blood pressure or blood glucose readings. That's a feature that's coming up within the next few months, but it's very exciting. Yeah. Right now we can track compliance and making sure as reminders that you are taking your medications. So the app sends out a reminder to take pill X. Is it monitoring whether or not that pill is taken or is it just sort of a static reminder? 
It does that as well, as absolutely. So it can track through a Wi-Fi and cell signal whether or not the medication has been dispensed. And family members can also send a notification when it is your dosing time to a mobile device and to family members as well who are linked as well. And it'll track the actual time that the medication was delivered. So is this an AI application? Is that how the tracking is done or is it an algorithm? It's more of a simple timestamp on when the medication was delivered from the device and sending it through the internet and uh, a Wi-Fi signal, which is very exciting. So let's say, for example, I or somebody in my family who's part of this forgets to take pill X. So what happens? Does a notification come up, like a text or something? Or how Yeah, it-, it can send a notification to, uh, you can have it, uh, individuals that are linked to the same account can have it set up to give a notification, whether or not you want it an hour later or two hours later. Let's say it's your mom, and if she forgot to take her dose, it would say, hey, just giving you a heads up, your mom has not taken her dose in two hours. So then you can give your mom a call and say, hey, mom, you haven't taken your dose in two hours. Is everything okay? It'll send uh, a text alert notification system based on how you change, and if you want an hour, two hours, or three hours to get that notification. Very exciting. And we're combining that with extra care even for those who need a little bit more help in the community setting. We're collaborating with a lot of home health care organizations that can provide a little added caregiver support in the home and they can help to monitor and we're collaborating with them as well as I mentioned doctor clinics to allow people to bring the level of collaborative care that you see in hospitals often into the community to help prevent health problems ahead of time. So I I presume this is a secure network, yeah? So all this information sort of, I presume it's encrypted so that people can't sort of hijack the system, et cetera? Yeah? Absolutely. And we're using a platform where all of our health information is obviously PHIPA and FIPA. They're like the Personal Health Information Protection Acts for both provincially and federally are very protected by that and are encrypted at all times. Absolutely. Your personal health information is very secure at all times. We take that very seriously. Okay, so that's a lot of sort of extra value that you're providing. Is the price point any different on prescriptions because of that? The price point is actually, we're, believe it or not, we're a little bit less than most pharmacies. We have one of the lower dispensing fees. And just like the majority of pharmacies, we waive uh, $2 of the Ontario Benefit Program copay. That uh, seems very customary. And we do this all while providing free shipping next day, wherever you want. Well, that is fantastic news. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you very much. I'll look forward to talking to you some more down the line, for sure. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss coping with loneliness on The Tonic. Jack Nathan Health offers Canadians convenient care with 74 multidisciplinary clinics located within Walmart stores. The largest ever Jack Nathan Health Medical Centre is now open in Vaughan, Ontario at 8300 Highway 27. The new 8,300-square-foot clinic offers integrated services for the whole family, including family medicine, physiotherapy, and chiropractic, chronic pain management, massage, and a registered dietitian. There's also an on-site Dynacare blood laboratory, plus same-day referrals, walk-in appointments, and a new annual health assessment option. Jack Nathan Health is a one-stop shop for proactive health management. For more information, visit jacknathanhealth.com. Are you stressed out? Feel exhausted? Having trouble sleeping? New Roots Herbal offers natural supplements to help take the edge off, relax, and sleep better. Discover de-stress, chill pills, and sleep aid from New Roots Herbal. Natural ingredients and guaranteed purity for a better day and a restful night. Find these and other New Roots Herbal products exclusively at quality health food stores. For more information, visit newrootsherbal.com. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. 
You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Carlisle Jansen is a sex therapist and founder of Good For Her, Toronto's premier sexuality store and workshop center. She's the author of two books, including Sex Yourself. And you can find her educational videos and TED Talks at carlislejansen.com. She can be contacted at carlisle at goodforher.com. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Hi, I am well, thankfully. How about you? I'm doing well, but I have my moments. Yeah. And in my moments, I wonder how people are, are dealing with the isolation that's coming with, you know, the COVID restrictions. And I'm worrying that even though we're saving lives, a lot of people may be very lonely right now. I think that's a very real challenge. And I know that even, you know, the medical community is really challenging this idea that, you know, people at end of life should be on their own, you know, uh, and that kids should potentially be back at school, even though it's dangerous. So I think that the health risks and the toll that it takes on people to be lonely is definitely being evident for a lot of health professionals. And, you know, we can see it in our friends and our family. What do you think it means to be lonely? So generally loneliness is described as kind of a negative emotional state. And it's when we think that there's a difference between what the kind of quality of relationships we want to have and what we think that we have. And sometimes, you know, our partners or friends might say like, hey, we have a great relationship, but we don't perceive that. So what we want versus what we think we have. And then if we feel something's missing, then we can feel lonely. It sounds like a little bit like depression. So definitely it can be confused with depression and it's definitely there's they're they're interrelated. So loneliness is more about negative feelings around connection and our social world and people whereas depression is kind of much more generalized it can include that but it also includes, you know, things about ourselves and our careers and life prospects and and in general. And so So the way that they're connected, though, is that often if people are lonely, it might lead to depression. But just because someone's depressed doesn't necessarily mean it's going to lead to loneliness. And so sometimes we just have we have to look underneath the depression and sort of see whether, you know, the root of it is loneliness or whether the root of it is something else like childhood trauma or, you know, something in our family history and in our genes or, you know, something else that's happened to us or that we're nervous about. Can loneliness affect your health? Absolutely. And I think this is what's really coming to the fore around COVID. So some of the studies that were done pre-COVID would say that people who have loneliness face the same health risks as someone who smokes 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. Oh, wow. you know, we, we know that that's bad for you, but it's not so seen, right? It's not so tangible. The other thing is that lonely folks are greater risk of premature death, and they have, you know, the same risk factors as someone who's obese, has inadequate physical activity, or even the effects of air pollution. And when we get older, sometimes what happens is that loneliness seems to be correlated with cognitive decline. So we're just not interacting with people and our our brains start to kind of, it sounds like they start to turn off. Hmm. Are many of us lonely? So the statistics are sometimes quite surprising and they're sometimes surprising in terms of who is lonely. 
We often think about, you know, older people being lonely, but we've got people of all age ranges. So we've got one study said that 22 to 50 percent of the U.S. population felt socially disconnected. Hmm. Um, Other studies looked at 33 to 61 percent of people said they felt often or very often lonely. That some of the statistics, so 40% of people aged 16 to 24. These are the people we think are connected, they're social. No, they're, they're not, though. But they're, <laughs> but, but they're really not. Yeah, but we think of, right, they think of themselves as connected, and they are constantly connected through their phones. But clearly, you know, many of them, well, 40% of them, are feeling lonely. I think they've been socialized to not be able to tell the difference between, let's say, social media or texting versus a real personal connection of, you know, face-to-face, even a telephone call. My kids are of an age where they would text before they would pick up a phone to speak to somebody. Right. And I actually think that makes a huge difference in terms of the quality of the connection, not the quantity, the quality. Yes, and I think that's key here is it's not about quantity, you know, and yeah, my son will, you know, Snapchat back and forth with his friends, like, you know, 20 times in a day. Right. it's, It's like a... It's a photo of like his ear and half his face, and you know yeah. that that's is basically saying hi. I'm thinking of you, but it doesn't. I don't think it resonates the same way. So Generation Z, 18 to 22 year olds, 79 percent of them felt lonely. 71 percent of millennials reported feeling lonely, and baby boomers, it was only 50 percent. Hmm. What do you think causes loneliness? Oh, there's all different kinds of things. So one of the things that people assume is when people are alone. So if they live alone, you must be lonely. And if you have people around you, you must not be lonely. Right. But one study said that only 18% of those who experienced loneliness lived alone. So a lot of us are maybe in relationships that are really meaningful. Maybe you're living with family members or kids or adults or whatever, right? People where you don't have a connection for whatever reason. You're staying in a relationship because you can't get out for whatever reason. And you could even argue that being alone but having people around you is in some ways more lonely and more painful than just living alone. But definitely there's lots of other, there's lots of risk factors. So, any kind of life transition. So if you move, you change your job, you quit your job. Of course, if you're grieving and you've lost someone who's really important to you, that's going to make a difference. If you have a hard time participating in social activities because you can't afford to, you've got health limitations, it's hard for you to engage, maybe you've got anxiety. If you're really isolated from family, maybe you don't get along with your family or they're far away, you don't connect with your your culture, community, you feel isolated because nobody seems to understand you. Language barriers, cognitive differences, these are all things that are, are what's called risk factors, so that if these things are present, you're much more likely to experience loneliness. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, you and I have sort of discussed it off air, you know, the, the COVID protocols aren't exactly helping things, you know? No, no. I mean, it's, you know, having to social distance and, and even that physical touch. So, you know, my sister's now in my bubble and, 
you know, she said that she'd gone like three months, even though we had talks, right, where I was sitting, you know, eight feet away on her porch, that to actually hug, to have that physical connection meant so much to her. And so many people, I think, you know, video doesn't work, you know, having some kind of face-to-face where you're not online, but even just being able to touch someone and have something tangible, I think, makes a big difference in not feeling that loneliness. I think one of the problems, too, is sort of the stigmatization of loneliness. You know, like how we perceive loneliness and what it means, you know? Yeah, I think there's a real sense that if you're lonely, it must mean that you're a loser. You know, what's wrong with you? You live in a big city. How can you feel lonely? You know, just go out and meet people, right? I think there's a real stigma that there's there must be something wrong with you if you're lonely. And I think that's one of the one of the barriers then to actually doing something about it is that stigma. It makes it harder to decide, okay, I'm going to do something about this. If you were queen of the world, how would you deal with that stigmatic issue of loneliness? Like, what can we do to, to eliminate the stigma? I think just to normalize it. So we need to talk about it. We need to make it uh, like I think there's isn't there a new minister in the UK a minister of loneliness or something or is that true yeah I I think so I didn't know that so I think is to talk about it that it's a real issue that it does not reflect on the person (laughs) right and I I think it's societal I honestly think we've created a situation where you know leaving COVID aside you know if you didn't want to interact with anybody you could actually choose not to for weeks on end you could have food delivered to you you could stay in your bubble. Now you can work from home. A lot of people are gig workers or they're working Mm -hmm. online. Mm -hmm. You could choose not to answer your people don't have phones at home. They just have their Mm -hmm. cell phones. Turn off your cell phone. Don't respond to texts. Go online, order your food in, have stuff delivered by Amazon, and you'd never have to speak to another soul person to person for months on end. And I think people are making those decisions. I, I don't know why they are, but I think they are actually. Well, and I think it becomes when you get anxious about seeing people or you worry about their judgment or you worry about whether you're going to fit in or whether you're going to have a meaningful connection, it's much easier to order your food than to make that step. It's much easier to just stay at home and read or play a video game than to go to a community event where you might not know people. And so it's the short-term coping strategy that leads to further long-time loneliness and, and erosion of skills well, that was confidence. A, yeah, that was going to be my next point. I think it's, it's like anything. It's like riding a bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can remember how to do it, but if you're not actually using that skill set, the first time you get on is going to be rough. And I think... You know, the ability to have a social connection, to carry on a conversation, to be empathetic, I think you actually need to practice it in order to do it, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I think social skills are very much their skills. And that unless we do practice them, we're not very good at doing them. And then and then our confidence goes and then our anxiety goes up and then it's harder to do it. And it just becomes a downward spiral where before we know it. There's nobody in our lives. We don't know who to reach out to. We're feeling alone. Now we're feeling like an idiot because we're alone and what's wrong with me? And it's even harder to reach out. And then before we know it, it's been, you know, a year and we're really feeling low. What I'd like to do maybe next time you come on the show is explore ways to get out of that rut. Can we do that next month? Yep, let's do that. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Always a pleasure. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss the health benefits of indoor rowing on the tonic. Alamax Canada is the company that delivers real bioactive stabilized allison 
Using only the freshest garlic from Spain, Alamax is the trusted source for a high-quality and effective Allison supplement. The manufacturers of Alamax have dedicated their time to researching this fascinating plant and all of its antimicrobial and antibacterial benefits. To fight infection and stay well, take Alamax. For more information, visit Alamax.ca. Talking Dirty. Brought to you by Ultramedic Adjustable Lifestyle Beds. Ultramatic's new antimicrobial mattress is the only mattress in Canada with two levels of protection against viruses and germs. Practice safe sleep. This has been me talking dirty. The antimicrobial mattress, 60% off this month only. Learn more at ultramatic.ca. Then try it in Ontario's safest mattress store at Lawrence and Bathurst. Ultramatic, elevate your sleep. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Jennifer Grostanis is a secondary school teacher and certified group fitness instructor, indoor cycling instructor, indoor rowing instructor, and bodybuilding enthusiast with over 10 years experience in education and health and fitness. She teaches both children and adults in studios all around the GTA and delivers her programming with knowledgeable design, creativity, and energy. With a compelling fitness journey of her own, recovering and thriving after a life-threatening accident, Jennifer is a lifelong learner and loves to share her passion for health and fitness and hopes to inspire others to lead healthy, active lifestyles and explore the capabilities, beauty, and strength of their bodies. Welcome to the show, my friend. How are you? Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me on this morning. Well, I had to, you know, because I've been peppering you with questions by email because I'm retaking Peppering with questions or bragging? Yeah, both. It's a little bit of both with me, right? You know that. I started doing something that I did back when I was in law school, and that is rowing because, you know, up to date, we're all sort of sequestered at home and I was looking for ways to exercise. And you're a rowing expert, yeah? Uh, You know, if I can brag a little bit, I'd like to think so. I think you are. So for those who don't know, what's indoor rowing? Indoor rowing is exactly what it sounds like. It is a stationary indoor rowing machine that's supposed to mimic like the actual rowing motion that you would be doing on the water. So you don't need to flood your basement. It's just a piece of equipment. You put it in there. It doesn't take too much space and you can get some exercise in, yeah? That's it. The only thing that slides is your butt. <laughs> so there are different types of rowers and I know you have a preference. So let's talk a bit about the rowing machine itself. The rowing machine itself, it's generally called an erg because it's measured through an ergometer. My preference is a water rower, which uses water as its resistance. It's supposed to mimic the actual rowing, water rowing a little bit more naturally. There's also air and magnet rowers as well, and those are the C2 concept rowers that use air magnets as their resistance. Right. So you use the water rowers. and In culture, you may have seen, if you watch House of Cards, Frank had a water rower that he would That's use. That's exactly the same water rower I use, and I feel just as badass as he does when I row with it. Yeah, and I have the other kind, which is the magnetic wind resistance, which is the concept too. Often seen in CrossFit gyms all around the country. Right. And, you know, essentially the motion's identical, right? It's just a question of the feel is mm-hmm. the difference between the machines, yeah? Exactly. And that just boils down to personal preference and, and what you're used to, more or less. So how is it used? If you want to exercise, like, how is it part of a program? How would you use it? Rowing is an aerobic exercise, so it has great cardiovascular health benefits. It is a full body workout. It has some resistance, so it has some anaerobic capacities as well. And it's also great for focusing on breath and kind of a moving meditation. Yeah, I mean, you sort of get into a rhythm, right? I mean, to be effective, if you're going to do it correctly and you're trying to get your times down or you've got some goals in mind, you know, developing a good technical stroke and getting a rhythm to your rowing makes a world of difference. Absolutely, 
absolutely. And rowing is more of a push legs exercise and a hip hinge as opposed to a pulling upper body arm exercise, though obviously it's full body, so you're still engaging arms, biceps, triceps, lats, everything. Right. How did you become involved in rowing? How did you do it? Well, at the beginning of my fitness journey, I was kind of a fitness try-it-all. So I just kind of gravitated towards things I thought would be easy for me. And rowing, I guess, kind of I gravitated towards because you could do it sitting down, which is is a great kind of pull factor for me. I hate running. I'm not a runner at all. And so rowing was just a great way for me to work out and feel confident and competent with what I was doing. I also have the body type for rowing. I'm tall and lanky. Yep. So generally, people who are tall and lanky tend to be good at rowing, as well as actually, you know, people with a little bit more thicker legs, so to speak, or that have, a, let's say, a bigger build to them. They yep. tend to do very well in rowing as well. This is why uh, I love because rowing. Because they have that yeah. drive for the push. Yeah, exactly. Like, I've got, I've got good core strength and good lower body strength. It's like almost like doing deadlifts repeatedly, right? Like that, That's exactly what it is, and that's exactly how I describe it when I'm coaching. It, it's kind of like a sitting deadlift. Are there people who perhaps... Those are the people who are attuned to doing rowing, but is rowing for everybody? Can everybody? It is. It is. I've even had clients as young as 10 years old on the rower. Wow. Yeah. So it really is a very easy exercise. It's low impact. Yeah. The coordination, I guess, the three by three stroke motion takes a little getting used to, but as soon as you have the biomechanics of the actual stroke, it's very easy and and children can pick it up, like I said, and even older adults as well. Well, I was going to ask you, so without naming names, of course, what's the oldest rower that you've had come to work with you? 76. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That is phenomenal, and they were definitely an inspiration on the rower. And you can build muscle mass. Like, it's good for weight loss and muscle mass, too, right? Absolutely. Like I said, you do have the resistance. And the cool thing about rowing is even if they have, like, a a drag meter or something to... I guess a spinning equivalent term would be like to gauge the resistance. It's not really to gauge the resistance at all. You control the resistance by your push. So again, if you're having a day where, you know, you're maybe not feeling it, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed and you hop on the rower, you know, you can have a light day just based on how hard you're pushing or driving through your heels. You know, if you're feeling more energetic or you want to do some more interval training, then again, the harder you push, the more intensity you're creating, the harder workout you're creating. Right. And you know, you are able, like there are equivalents to like sprinting and long distance. So for example, I prefer the longer distances and I I don't know why that is because generally I don't like that kind of stuff, but on the rowing machine, I can row for like 40 minutes and do like 10 K. But for others, you know, their training is more about the short bursts. Yeah. And you can accomplish both with the water rower. And I actually recommend doing a mix of both endurance, long-term training and and interval training on it. So what are some of the pros and cons of rowing? Let's start with the pros. Pros, full body workout. Yep. Simple technique to master once you practice it. It's very convenient. Almost any rowing machine has some sort of way to conveniently store it. Like I know with my water rower, it's very light. I can just stand it up and store it in the corner of my very small room. And it doesn't matter. I can hide it under my bed. I guess it can be pretty low cost. You invest into the machine once and it's pretty minimal in terms of maintenance after that. Let's talk about that for a second. So, I mean, outfitting a home gym is difficult now because a lot of people are out of equipment. But, you know, presuming you can get one, you might even be able to pick one up used. 
you know, a new one, a good one will cost what, about $1,200, $1,800 maybe? Um, I, I think more close to twelve fifteen. yeah. Yeah, but you might be able to pick up a used one for less. Absolutely. I think you can get them for anywhere between three to nine used. Oh, okay. Yeah, Th- three to 900 bucks. Yeah. Three I haven't seen, but yeah. So for a piece of equipment that you can use every day and gives you a full body workout, that's actually way cheaper than, let's say, one of the new fancy schmancy spin bikes. Yep. Absolutely. I think so. And you get more out of it. What do you mean by that? It's a full body workout. So as opposed to like a spin bike or a treadmill, you're getting much more of an upper body resistance workout with a rowing machine than you would with an elliptical, let's say. Not bashing ellipticals is a great way to work out. Well, ellipticals aren't weight bearing, right? Like that's the other part of it. Yeah. Yes. Yes, of course. I'm just trying to create a comparison between why a rowing machine would be a more effective piece of home workout equipment to have. You know, there's a couple of pieces of equipment that approximate, like I can't run anymore. I used to, but I don't. But you know, Spinning and rowing were the two that I could burn enough calories within a reasonable amount of time that it made sense. But the fatigue you get from doing long distance rowing, I mean, like you're tired when you're done. Absolutely. You're increasing your heart rate. Um, The caloric expenditure for that, you know, 40 minutes an hour that you're going to be on the rower is anywhere between, you know, six to 900 calories, depending on the intensity that you're putting in. So, yeah. Are there any concerns you would have or like people that you think might not be appropriate for it or just things to consider if if you want to try it? So always obviously ask your doctor before engaging in any kind of physical activity. I guess that's the rule of thumb for any kind of fitness. Yep. You know, rowing is generally recommended even in rehab programs because it is very low impact, especially on the knees. So in terms of any contraindications, I guess you would just have to gauge your own body. You are using, you know, shoulders, back, legs, glutes, hamstrings, quads. So just kind of gauging yourself is important, but it is a very low impact exercise, which is why I have 76-year-olds in my class and people, you know, rehabilitating themselves from various knee or hip injuries as well. You know, the only concern I would have, and then I've seen injury, is the back. You just kind of have to be careful if you're, and it's about form, really. I think the most important thing is, you know, like if you're going to start, is either have a great instructor show you proper form or look at videos online to see the proper form because it makes a world of difference. I suffer from chronic low back issues and I can find it taxing on my low back, but having that core strength and focusing on that hip hinge and that form, like you said, really alleviates that from being an issue. And what about the bum? Like, you know, there's spinner's bum and, you know, you're on your ass when you're rowing. That's an issue too, right? It could be an issue, but I find just like spinning, you kind of get used to it and, and quite frankly, a little bit quicker than you would at spinning. I guess. So if one were to to conduct sort of a rowing program, are there any collateral exercises that might help or things that you would do to sort of help make it easier to row? I'm always an advocate for a dynamic warm-up before engaging in any kind of physical activity, just to warm up the major muscle groups and get them in a position where they're ready to be active. Mm -hmm. Of course, doing a warm-up on the rower, you know, of anywhere between three to five minutes, just again, to warm up the muscles, so always very important. And then in terms of complementary exercises, Static stretching when you are done with the rowings, yep. you know, focusing specifically on the hip flexor muscles, right. the gluteals, the quads, and the legs more or less. And I would also, in my training, do a lot of unilateral leg exercises, so Bulgarian split squats, lunges, and a lot of core training, specifically standing core training. Yeah. And, you know, I've actually incorporated about 10 minutes of yoga poses after, particularly like a pigeon pose to sort of stretch up. Yeah, for the hips and even child's pose, downward dog. Downward dog, yeah, that one's major. So, you know, if you can hold a few simple poses, that will do a world of good too. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you very much for having me on the show. We'll have you back again soon. Thanks to all my wonderful guests. 
Joel Thuna, Andy Donald, Carlisle Jansen, and Jennifer Grostanis. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. During COVID-19, we're suspending distribution of the magazine. But Tonic's generally available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighborhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website, tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Next week on the show, we'll discuss natural health and your immunity, summer drink alternatives, the importance of sleep position, and taking your yoga practice outside the studio. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.